Lord, we are sorry. We turned around and gone astray. Your trust for us we have betrayed. Your power we don't recognize. Your Lordship we have all despised. We cannot pretend, but we sorry because as our song said we have done all this but Lord we are here that we may present our hearts presenting ourselves that you will show us our sins so that your spirit helping us we will thoroughly repent and we will call upon you and you will hear us and forgive us and heal us. Let your word go forth and accomplish your purpose and let your glory fill the earth as you send us down your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. First of all, I want to thank the church leadership for giving me this opportunity. I count it a privilege. I don't want to take it for granted. To be one who will stand here today as God will touch us in a new way. Because by so doing, I have been made the first partaker of what God wants to do in our lives today. 
May the Lord open our hearts as we have prayed, and may his word come to each and every one of us, touching us individually, and our life will no longer be the same in Jesus' name. Our topic today Our topic today says a broken and a contrite heart. And our text has been taken from Psalm 51, verse 17. I would like us to open there and hold it because we are going to be reading verses from that Psalm 51. So let's all open it. And have our hands there because we'll be looking at certain verses there as the Lord will be teaching us. Praise the Lord. First of all, by way of introduction, it is good for us to know what we mean by a broken heart. Because our topic is a broken and a contrite heart. So we need to understand when we say a broken heart, what we are actually talking about. And I try to look up broken hearts, not broken and not hearts. Broken is a different thing, heart is a different but as a word, as words together, broken heart. I try to look it up in Chambers Dictionary. And what I saw, it says, when one is crushed emotionally. By disappointment. When somebody is crushed, you are broken, you go to pieces in your heart by a certain disappointment. But in the context of what we are talking about today, it is going to be a disappointment by a when we look at self and such our hearts, we get disappointed by what we have done or a life we have lived or are living. And we feel crushed emotionally. We may be made to cry when such happens to anyone. That person is said to have a broken heart. In the context of our topic today. Praise the Lord. What about a contrite heart? The dictionary said that the heart is talked about being contrite as when the heart is full of guilt. A contrite heart. The heart that is full of guilt and remorse. For a wrongdoing. In other words, you take a reflection and you find yourself guilty of wrongdoing. Not somebody found you guilty. You judge yourself and you find out that you are guilty of certain wrongs. And you are wholly penitent. And so, when we say that the person started, be, acted contritely, or 
in contriteness or in contrition. We mean that that person is showing remorse or deep sorrow for a past sin, for a wrong thing you have done. You are showing remorse, deep sorrow, and a remorse, I mean a resolve to avoid such sin in the future, to avoid sin in the future. So a contrite, a broken and a contrite heart is that heart that is crushed, disappointed in the bad way you have lived, saying the wrong things you have done, a sinful life you have lived, and you are disappointed with it. And you are broken, and you cry out, and you take a resolve. As you show deep remorse, you take a resolve. That is a very important aspect of that contriteness, or contrition, or contritely as the, as the dictionary tries to put it. A very important aspect is that that person takes a resolve, a determination not to live that kind of life anymore. To turn away from such sinful life. That is a very important aspect of that contrite heart. Praise the Lord. So can we get to that Psalm 51? I want us to read. Let's read verse 17. 51 verse 17. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. Praise the Lord. King James will say a contrite heart. But I like that. Is that New Living Translation? Yes, I like... He said, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. And God will not reject a repentant heart. When that spirit, the heart is broken, you look at yourself, you know that you are not good. You cry out. And you become contrite. You are sorrowful. But in that sorrow, you take a resolve that, Lord, I'm not going to continue with this kind of lie. My Bible is saying that God will not overlook such a person. God will not reject such a person. In fact, King James said, God will not despise. In other words, God is not going to take it lightly. God will become interested. Praise the Lord. As we go on to demonstrate this contriteness, what it means and how it should be to be repentant, to have a broken heart and a contrite spirit. We may look at two characters. I just took, because it's a very short service, I just took two characters in the Bible that will help us to understand this topic. Praise the Lord. All of us know King David. He fell into lustful sin, adultery. From that adultery, because if you leave one sin, if you don't expose sin, it will lead you into another sin. If you don't expose a sin in your life, and you are trying to cover it, 
you will surely commit more. And that's what happened to our brother, King David. He fell into adultery with Bathsheba. And in order to, con- com- to cover it up, he made every effort to make it become, the- to make the husband take responsibility. But no, you know, when the devil wants to deal with anybody, if you claim to be a child of God, be careful, oh, because you commit one small sin, the devil will make it difficult for you to cover up. Instead, he will be making you believe you are covering up while he pushes into more sin. So when his attempt failed to cover it up, he had to lead the husband of Beersheba to his death. He sent him to a fierce fierce aspect of war, a fierce area in war, and gave instruction. He actually gave instruction that they should make sure he will go to where he will die. So he didn't kill him with his sword, but the Bible said he killed him with the sword of the Philistines. So he did not raise his hand against the man, but he committed murder. Praise the Lord. So one sin led to the other, from adultery to murder and to deceit and all those things. So, God, I want us to get there. Second Samuel, but we may not read much of it. The story is actually in Second Samuel chapters 11 and 12. But we're not going to read it because it's a long story. And so God sent to him the prophet Nathan to confront him with his sin. And when he painted the picture, David, without knowing that he was the man involved, made the judgment. He said that man ought to die. In fact, they should bring the man because he was ready to admit it out to him. He judged that case and condemned the man. But he didn't know he was the person. You know, if we are asked to judge ourselves, we will be very lenient. But when we judge another man, we may be just. We may take it to the full extent. And so, he gave the verdict. And then he was told that he was the man. What did our brother David do? He went down. He became remorseful. Immediately, he accepted. He said he had sinned against God. And that is the song we just sang before, you know, when during the prayer session. That is what led to Psalm 51. And he started crying out to God. He told God about himself. He confessed his sin in that prayer as he was crying to God. He said he was blood guilt, guilty of bloodshed. He was telling himself, telling God. And all the other things that surrounded it. He took full responsibility and asked God to forgive him. He confessed his sin completely while crying to God and asking for forgiveness. But the story is different for another king in Israel. We all know King Saul, whom David 
succeeded. Saul was made king in Israel. God picked him from, from the dust, from ash, from the dungeon, and made him the first king of Israel. And as he was now the king of Israel, God wanted to use him to repay the enemies of Israel. And God gave him strict instruction. Through the prophet Samuel, the prophet Samuel came and delivered God's instruction, which he understood very well, because the Bible stated it out clearly. And in fact, as he was being given instruction, he was told why he had to carry it out. Because they, these people, you know, when they were journeying on their journey to the promised land, they were enemies of Israel. All the people that meted out evil against Israel, when they were on their difficult journey, God at the end of the day decided to pay them. And Amalek was one of such. And God gave our brother Paul, I'm sorry, uh, uh, gave King Saul the instruction to take Israel, empowered him, told him he was going to give him the victory, that they should go and destroy that city. Sparing no human and no animal. Because God wanted to wipe them out. Because their iniquity was so much. They were people of iniquity. And they kept it when they treaded on the feet of Israel. So God wanted to deal with them. And Paul was, uh, Saul was charged with that responsibility. But when he went, what did he do? Our, our text, well, our text is, um, that should be First Samuel. Sorry. If I get it, I'll give it to you. So, what did he do? When he went there, he started, they started destroying. But along the line, they saw some fine, fine animals. My children will say fine, fine. Some things that are fine, fine. Some robust animals. And then he decided to make, make peace, friendship with the king of Amalek. Against God's instruction. And he carried those things. And came back. And he said this one will be good for sacrifice. Meanwhile God told him to destroy all. So. He rationalized it. That if they bring this fat one and the other one. They will use it for sacrifice. As they eat the remaining. But God confronted him. He sins when he came back. The prophet Samuel also went for him and told him that he had sinned. What did King Saul do? Rather than accept what was clear, he started arguing. He said no, that he has carried out God's instruction, that he has obeyed all God, that then have they not destroyed the city until he now showed him evidence. What is this king doing in our house? What are these animals? And instead of, even at that stage, saying, oh, I'm sorry. I have done this. And he said, it is the Israelites. You know, he was afraid of the people. Instead of him to be afraid of God, that he feared them. They suggested that they should bring these ones 
And so he obeyed the people according to him. So what am I saying? He didn't accept responsibility. He shifted the blame to the people. And so that is a heart that is not broken. That is a heart that is not contrite at all. A heart that is not repentant. He continued his argument until the prophet told him that God has rejected him, his kingship. That was the only time he said, oh, I'm sorry, I have sinned. Praise the Lord. So that one is not a real repentance. And even when he said that, he was still looking out to be glorified. He told him, please, he should not let the people know. Let him escort him so that it will be as if everything is still all right. That is how some of us are. We don't want people to know anything wrong. We want to present a front as if everything is all right. Even when we know that we are no longer in good relationship with God. Instead of us at any point we discover to go down on our knees, to humble ourselves and be repentant. So can you read me now Psalm 51 verse 14? So, Psalm 51 verse 14. Psalm 51 verse 14. Yes. Forgive me for shedding blood. Yes. O God who saves, then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. This is brother, um, brother David. He started asking God, Unlike Saul, who never even asked for forgiveness. Who didn't accept his sin? He accepted and is asking for forgiveness. Read 16 and 17. You do not desire a sacrifice, or I would offer one. You do not want a bond offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. He was aware. That God is not interested in the ram or cow or goat that we will bring. Things we will bring for thanksgiving. Giant, even the money we will donate for church building, for outreach. Some of us might think that when we donate, it will cover up our sins. No way. No way. The sacrifice God is interested in is what? A broken heart. That is the kind of sacrifice. And our brother David noted that. He knew that he acknowledged it. He said it's a broken spirit and a contrite heart that God will accept. So for himself, he said, deliver me from blood, from the guilt of bloodshed. This is quoting from New King James. Oh God, my salvation. I want us to place ourselves, look through our lives, and place herself in the position of David and say, Deliver me from so and so guiltiness. He identified his own adultery, murder. He said, Deliver me from blood, guilt of bloodshed. What are we guilty of? Are we guilty of unforgiveness? Are we guilty of backbiting? Bitterness of heart? Envy and jealousy, which will push us onto more sin and more evil. Is it lustful sin? Lust of the eyes. The eyes can never get satisfied. The more you look, the more it wants to see. You look one thing, 
He wants to go deeper and deeper and longs for more and more. And some of us have been entrapped with the things we are looking at with our eyes. Praise the Lord. So from the things we are looking at, we become sinners. Is it the lust of the eyes or of the flesh? What have we been indulging in? Is it the pride of life? Some of us are too proud. We look at ourselves and beat our chest for what we have acquired and what we have achieved. And these things become a deterrent for us to humble ourselves before the Lord. And that is why 1 John 2.16 enumerated these things. That these things are the things in the world. The loss of the flesh, eyes and pride of life. And that these things, if we follow them, it will only lead to death. Praise the Lord. Is it idolatry? Many of us are no longer going to worship carved images. But every day we are into idolatry. There are things we have valued more than God. One of such things you cannot believe it. It's something we have in our hand. What we have in our hand. Some of us, whether we are in the church, we're on our phone. That phone is your idol. It's depriving you of communication and of a good fellowship with God. Immediately you wake up, you jump up to your phone. You haven't even communed with God. It's your phone that feeds you with the things happening in the world and tells you this and that. And your heart is already primed into what is going on in the world. And you have not gotten a first of all upward connection. It's idle, my brother and my sister. I'm telling myself, and I try to tell myself, and I try to hold myself. It's such that if you're not careful, you won't even know when it's happening. Because as you see one, you connect to another, and you keep connecting. And you are losing useful time, including time to do other relevant things and times to use to have a fellowship, a true fellowship with God. So let's cut that idol. Anything that is depriving you, taking precedence of God in your life, that's your idol. Let's be sure that we are not idolaters. Praise the Lord. And so, we ought to be sorrowful of our sin. Godly sorrow leads to repentance for sorrow of the world. If we get disappointed because people know that we've done this, and so some people, because they are disappointed, they go and commit suicide. At the end of the day, has it profited them? They were sorry, but it didn't lead to repentance. Praise the Lord. So we will be praying as we round up. And two levels of prayer we ought to be making. Prayer for ourselves. Repenting as we reflect in our lives. Meanwhile, if we haven't given our lives to Christ, we are still very, very far away. And there is no opportunity that we will not use to encourage you to hook up to Christ. Make a resolve today. Reconcile with God. Begin to pray for yourself. As you reflect on your own life, I'm reflecting on my own. Are there areas of our lives and of your life that you need to repent of? Things that sin that easily besets us, that has almost like become a habit, and over and over we fall into it. Today, the grace of God is available to set us free as we get broken in our spirits. 
and we take a resolve not to go back to it. Our chaplain will be praying for us. First, for those who will give their life to Christ, who will reconcile with God today. Secondly, for those who want to be set free for area of our lives that is besetting us and making us not to make progress. Area of our life that making us not to shine forth for Christ. The second level is praying for our nation. We need to pray for our land because sin has taken over the land and the priest will help us. Creating me a new Give me your heart. I want to come in and stay with you. Forgive your sins. Transform you into a child of the kingdom. Lift up the burden of sin. Make you light. As you go through this Lenten season and the rest of the period. If you are such a one, just raise your hand where you are. I want to hand over my life to Jesus. I'm a sinner. A broken and contrite heart I have today. In a way I've never had before. And I want to strike a partnership with Jesus, surrendering my life to him and calling on him to come be my Lord and my Savior. Is there anyone? Please raise your hand. There's a purest reason why we're here. As you're raising your hand, please kindly stand where you are. Kindly stand where you are. And can I ask you, as you're raising your hand, just stand. Thank God for you. You will do one more thing now. As we also make a second prayer request, you know you have an idol. Phone is your idol. News is your idol. Fashion is your idol. Clothing, the latest trend is your idol. Something that takes away your peace and almost replaces God. When you don't have it, you don't get it, it's not with you, you feel as if you've lost someone. That's an idol. And that is what a broken and a contrary heart turns around and asks for forgiveness. If that's you, Please put your right hand on your chest where you are and tell the Lord, Today, renew a right spirit within me. Cast not the Holy Spirit from me. I'm drawing away from you by inches. Lord, today I want to renew that relationship. A minute, I'm in that business. You who are standing, please kindly walk up here. Just kindly walk up here. We'll do a quick prayer with you while the others are putting their hands on their chest. Lord, the phone, that is my idol. 
the work, the office work, that promotion, that situation, that business, that transaction that has assumed a level of God in my life. Today, I'm dethroning it willfully, consciously, in order that I can see you on the throne of my life one more time and give you the glory. And if you are such, putting your hand on your chest, repeat this prayer after me while our brother is walking up. Lord Jesus, I thank you. You died on the cross and nailed every contrary spirit and every contrary power and everything that has the capacity to enslave me Make a habit out of me that does not please you. You nail them to the cross. And made a public show of them. And when you set me free, you set me free indeed. Therefore, this evening, I reignite. I reactivate. I, Lord, rededicate my life unto loyalty to you. And I renounce and denounce the power of this habit, this gadget, this trend... In my life, it shall have no more power over me. I yield my allegiance to you according to Romans chapter 6 verse 11 to 14. And I totally submit to you. Rule over my life. Rule over my mind. Rule over my emotion. And take charge. Continually and completely. In Jesus name we pray. Please repeat this prayer after me. My brother, Lord Jesus, thank you. You love me. You died on the cross for my sins. You paid the price for my sins, for my life. Today, I come to you repentant, remorseful, with a broken and contrite spirit. I repent of all my past life. I renounce them. I repent of my sins. I turn to you. Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. Give me the power to be your child. Write my name in the book of life. Make me yours and deliver me as I know the truth. Set me free. I'm free indeed from the bondage of sin, habits, the world of Satan. Thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Lord, as many as receive you today, you give the power to be your children who were born not of flesh, not of blood, not of the will of man, but by your power. And everyone who receives you, you make new and put a deposit of your spirit in us that we belong to you. May the old things pass away in this life in the name of Jesus. May all things become new. May the witness of the spirit be a witness with his own spirit that he belongs to you. Lord, from this period that is remarkable, the Ash Wednesday, the first day in Lent, as he also goes through the passion, may he truly in a repentant and remorseful heart follow you every day, walking as your child, endued with your spirit, growing in you, defeating the works of the enemy in his life, throughout his lifetime. In Jesus' name we pray. Lord, we are sorry. We turned around and gone astray. Your trust for us we have betrayed. Your power we don't recognize. Your lordship we have all despised. 